1: Hey, not just Charlie Dobbin, but I've got a special guest. This is just the month of special guests. Welcome, Sean James, one more time to AM740's Garden Show. Always a pleasure. Hey, nice to see you. Nice and your smiling face. <laughs> yes, I almost texted you this morning. Do not do laundry this morning. Because last time, maybe not last time, one of the times you were here, you were doing laundry before the show and managed to do some little tumble down the stairs. <laughs> it was very spectacular.
2: <laughs> so is this morning, though. I, I somehow ended up, I slipped getting out of my car and I, I, I'm holding onto the door and I'm leaning on the inner door frame and I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get down. You were i missed on like a, a 30 degree angle to the ground and I'm stuck there.
1: Yeah. That wasn't pretty. It's a good thing I rescued you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the coffee. And that's a problem. You had your hands were full. I could have just dropped the coffee. Phone, but no. phone in one hand, coffee in the other. <laughs> Couldn't do anything. Uh, all right, we've got all kinds of great things. But you know what? Your job, you, because you are the fill-in Frank,
2: <laughs> better do the phone numbers first because we love to hear from everybody. And then I've got a few announcements. Awesome. Well, if we're local, it's four one six. Three six zero, zero seven four zero, and if it's long distance, then it's eight six six seven four zero four seven, four zero. You got those fours and sevens figured <laughs> out? <laughs> We're joking,
1: laughing about our friend Paul de Groot. So Paul was here last week, as you know. And um, you know, I've decided you guys are like each other's presidents of each other's fan clubs because <laughs> you both are always <laughs> promoting each other, which is very sweet. That's I like that. You've got a great voice for radio too. That's good. So do you. Mm. (laughs) Um... The other thing I was going to say, that's one of the cool things about gardeners or horticult—well, or just gardeners as a
2: general term, is though we we compete, we don't really compete. We share all the time and collaborate all the time. I think of us uh, more as colleagues. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many people who are good at what they do uh, that, the, you know, I don't think there's ever any competition between us, mm-hmm. uh, other than friendly competition. Right. I'm going to be uh, on stage next week with Charlie Nardozzi oh, yeah. doing the... Um, uh, container Wars. Oh, which really? Which is really exciting. Oh, and, I've and, done that yeah, before, too. I have not, actually. So I, I'm, did I'm, that at TBG. I don't get nervous often, but I'm a little bit nervous. Uh,
1: you got a plan, or are you just going to wing it? Hello
2: from Colby. <laughs> I think that's winged, is isn't it? Yeah. So do you do you have to provide the the plants? Or no, no, they provide. Uh, that's part of the trick of things the is they provide all the plants. They provide the planters. It's all. It's a big deal. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's they they have it all day long every day. There's the I don't know oh, that but they're celebrity, doing. Celebrity. Yeah. Uh, container. So they yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can, go, can call them that in the states. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> So where, where are you doing that? Uh, I'm in Seattle at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show, which I'm really excited about. My first time uh, speaking in the U.S. Right. So it's the second largest garden show in North America, so I'm pretty jazzed about it. Second only to Philadelphia? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And, and that's next on my hit list.
1: And getting paid in American dollars
2: them. is nice, too. I paid a little bit. Oh, uh, right? There's such famous shows that they don't actually desperately need people. People yeah. want to speak there more than they want to pay them. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Uh, so,
1: I mean, Bloom's always relied
2: on that, too, right? Yeah, the but people. they're going to cover the travel, which is nice, so I get to go see Seattle as well and so you're friends. there for a couple of days uh yeah it's a whirlwind tour i teach for a couple of days Here, i fly out that night I teach, in teach at mohawk College. yeah um uh, i teach the horticultural apprenticeship there fly out that night um speak on the friday speak on the saturday twice fly back on the monday speak for landscape ontario on the monday and then teach tuesday wednesday again wow so no uh, sleep
1: for you <laughs> no laundry for you <laughs> <laughs> So listen, Sean is, is a master of many things. I've had all these specialty guests on. Terry Kennedy, our orchid person, and of course, Paul being the tree lover that he is. Sean, is I always think of you kind of as a naturalist.
2: You've got a really big knowledge about all, all creatures. I grew up surrounded by nature. I grew up over by Crawford Lake in Campbellville, and it's, oh, yeah. it's tough to not gravitate toward it when you get to live with it so close. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's out your window and back door every yes. single day. So you're out there. I have the same thing. I grew up at, uh, on a ravine in North York and mm. yeah, that was it. Salamanders, frogs, yeah. rocks. What's under this? What's under that? Yes. <laughs> Pick it up, look, 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 right?
2: Oh, it's, it's nature's fascinating and then now the new trend is to bring it into the garden, which is great. Yeah. So it's not that I'm brilliant, it's that I ended up in the right place at the right time with the right, <laughs> right skill set.
1: Yeah, that's and and it is tr- it's trending for sure. sure. So It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I think what we should do is go for a little quick break, but I want to remind people the lines are open. Got a call. Give us a call right now, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back.
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Scythia and foxclubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweetwilliams.
0: You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And here we are, Sean's giggling <laughs> in the background. As usual. So Sean James is here. People, this is an opportunity to pick the brains of two of the smartest horticulturalists you'll ever have the opportunity to do so for free. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in. Um, remember the numbers, 416 or toll free one 866 So, Sean, as a lover of all creatures big and small, do you ever participate in the Great Backyard Bird Count?
2: I didn't want to be a birder. Birders are weird. It just sort of happened. I ended up being a birder, and I love I'd it. I've never wanted I... to be a birder either, but I love birds. I do, too. Well, everyone secretly does, because yeah. they make us feel safe. If the birds are fluttering around, we know there's no predators there, subconsciously. True. True. So it makes us relax. Mm. I have not participated in the count, because usually I'm just coming down off the season's you know craziness. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, know I haven't done it yet, but I do work very hard to encourage birds in my garden and the gardens of my friends and customers. And how do you find your bird population this year? Uh, well... In 2018, it was phenomenal. Yes. I had uh, indigo buntings and brown Woo! thrashers, and yeah, really cool birds. Um, evening grosbeaks. This year, nothing special yet. In although there is but supposed I'm to be, even
1: seeing the population is down. Like I'm seeing chickadees, the odd one, but I'm not getting the swarms or flocks. Swarms, flocks of birds, <laughs> mind you. If starlings kind of devastated my feeders last year a couple times, but this year it's been quiet. This year fear? I'm
2: getting overwhelmed by English sparrows, which oh. are not native and therefore not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're very aggressive so they keep the other birds away right. and there is a gizmo that I'm going to look up and maybe get that, that apparently it's just this ring that other birds love but for some reason um, the English strong. sparrows don't huh. like it. Yeah.
1: Well, for anybody who would like to participate in the Great Backyard Bird Count, it is on right now. It started yesterday and it goes right through until the 18th which is Monday. It's a four day event and all it is, is—it's what's so great about it is you don't even have to step outside the door. You you look at your watch and it's a ten minute count. So it's all you do is you sit at the window and look at the species of birds and the number, the quantity of birds that you see in that 10-minute period. Nice. Or you can step outside and do the same thing. Go for a walk you know, uh, down the green belt or um, do it multi-times in a day. Mm-hmm. All the data is uh, sent in online, so you have to register and set up a little bit of an account. But it's so cool. I mean, statistics... Uh, so if, I mean, actually, if you bring it up, uh, GBBC, so Great... A backyard Bird Count, um, and then .birdcount.org. This is all put together with Cornell University and the Audubon Society. And um, Canada is ready right into it. The entire world is into it. So, the map, oh, yeah. see the map on your monitor? See the little yellow blips? That's Those incredible. are people that are reporting right now. Right now, that's yeah. neat.
2: Right now. Well, and, and I'm such a huge fan of citizen science. Exactly. And how and that's what we this can is. harvest all of this information together and learn real things like the, wh- where the monarchs are going and things like that. And speaking of which, did you hear the monarch population? Up 144%. If there's a good news story, that's gardeners it. make enormous differences. This is my message for yeah, the year, yeah. is how we can fix all the problems in all the world. Yeah, we can. You're talking about carbon sequestration, that's us. Food yep. security, that's us. Yep. Beauty, hey. That's us. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> and yeah, um, diversity, that's us.
1: So yeah, I mentioned this to my students uh, yesterday that the monarch population had sprung back phenomenally this year I mean this is just one year but still and so they looked at me and said so why do you think that is and I was well the information I have is that it's got a lot to do with some changes made in America Mm -hmm. so that those those monarchs that are flying up and down that corridor between Canada and Mexico are now finding milkweed are now finding sheltering spots and then
2: we've expanded that to other creatures as well mm -hmm. we're we're helping all sorts of of things live in our gardens by planting the right plants save the bees that sort of jazz it's it's Pollinator-friendly
1: gardens, etc. It's incredible, and so so the the monarchs have really responded to mm-hmm. that because you know you got to remember the monarchs. It's a, three generations just to get to Mexico, okay. so they have to have food. I'll get they have
2: back to have, from Mexico. Four generations oh, round trip. Round trip. One yeah. one, one back, down. Three to get here. Oh wait. Right. They've also found a uh, a second colony in South Carolina. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's new. Uh, on but what the, trees, I wonder. I, I I gave you everything I had.
1: Okay. So I also learned that in Mexico where the the trees are, they're somewhere that they they all congregate. And they count them by counting like individual trees, basically, and then multiply by the the hectares that are covered in monarchs. Mexico's been smarter, too. They've
2: stopped logging out those trees, yes. and they're now... Because we're paying for it, though, mm-hmm. that, which is good. Like, that's where a lot of my donations go, mm-hmm. is to plant trees mm-hmm. in Mexico, in that small little set of mountains, mm-hmm. and also to protect the land that's there. And we're making it more of a, an ecotourism thing. I was going to say, it, they've so begun... so we're showing them yeah. the value of not cutting down the trees. That's
1: right. And ecotourism is, is taking off yep. around Just that... Just like Costa Rica. Mo- yeah,
2: yeah. You know, you, you, you want us to save it? Fine, we'll save it. You're going to pay, which is great. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I agree. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't chitter-chatter any longer, but we will be right back because we wanted to speak with Christine, who's giving us a call from Buffalo,
0: New York. Awesome. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And we're back. I'm with Sean James today. Thanks for coming in, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here when I got here. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention, (laughs) saved you from your car. All right, let's speak with Christine. She's giving us a call from Buffalo. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. We have a little problem. Mm -hmm. My daughter received a bunch of gardenias for Christmas. A
4: bunch? They were so healthy that we tried to propagate them. Oh. We've got five plants growing. Oh. And one of the plants has like a, like a Q-tip of cotton right in the middle at the Y.
2: Mm. Mealy bug. When you say you've got them growing, did you actually get them to root? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Well done. Well done, yeah. So that's called mealybug. mealy bug. M-E-A-L-Y bug.
4: Will it go to the others? Do I have to isolate yep. it? Definitely yep. isolate it.
2: Definitely. I, I've, I've gone the Q-tip and alcohol route, and I, people really seem afraid of that. And I have never – I got a um, – ironically from the Master Gardeners, I got a, a bay plant, oh, yeah. which I've always yeah. wanted. Like a bay laurel, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it had um, – like the cooking bay. Mm-hmm. And it had uh, a scale on it, which is uh, very closely related to mealybug. And I just used alcohol and a Q-tip, and I wasn't careful. No, but well, I did isolate it for a while.
1: Yeah. So isolate, like um, inspect all the plants. Okay. Look for any evidence of eggs
2: and or adults. And that, honeydew. That yeah, sticky, sticky shiny, shiny stuff, that's often the giveaway.
1: Right. Because the mealy bug is a pierce, has piercing mouth parts and it is um, sucking, basically taking juice out of the plant mm-hmm. through its mouth. And, of course, it uh, when it moves a tiny bit, it leaves a hole behind and then liquid spills out of the holes left Also it behind. doesn't
2: use as much sugar as it takes. It's not mm. after the sugar. Mm. So when it <clears throat> excretes the sugar, uh when it excretes yeah. period, it excretes a lot of sugar. Yeah. And which that's is the why honey bees do. and uh yeah. wasps come and if it were outside then it might get uh powdery or um not powdery mildew. Um, i know what you're help me. Help me if we want it's mold.
5: Okay. <laughs>
1: But don't worry, that won't happen inside unless you've got super sure. high humidity. Sure. So main thing is um, inspect, isolate any with any evidence of insects. Of course, you are in the United States, so you have access to chemicals that we don't have. But I don't—Gardenias uh, will not do that like anyway, to especially be sprayed not inside. Yeah, I would not gardenias spray. do like anything. Yeah, if you don't have to, don't use any chemicals. As okay. as Sean said, a Q-tip dipped into rubbing alcohol, and then with that wet Q-tip, you actually touch the mealy bug okay. and get it on its little body, and the rubbing alcohol will kill that individual insect but your job is to do that on every little insect you see so not scotch then okay, no so just I rubbing it rub- okay.
3: over every leaf and twig
1: yeah just inspect don't use the alcohol just on principle because it'll hurt the plant okay. just try and keep the alcohol on the insect okay now do I remove that cotton
2: uh, you're just using it to dab Oh, you mean the, the, the mealy bug itself?
1: Well, I see it's covered his little body in that yeah. waxy
2: coating. Which is uh, what the alcohol breaks down.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you can. If you can if you can get that waxy coating off and then put the alcohol onto the bug, it'll die
2: faster.
4: No, no, no. What I'm asking about uh, is the white uh, cotton thing that it
2: produced. Yeah. That is, that's... that's yeah. Um, oh, that is the bug? No, The that's... bug is underneath it. It excretes that wax, okay. which looks like cotton. That will sort of disappear with the alcohol. That's what the alcohol does. It, oh, it, it I... dissolves that um, oh. that covering. Okay. Um, I, I must say, I, I was um, considerably less careful a little while ago. I had an aloe that had bug, and so it was right down in the crown, yeah. and I knew I couldn't get it all. And I actually... Took a sprayer. I sprayed it. Yeah. I sprayed the whole plant. With pure alcohol? I gave it uh, pure rubbing alcohol. Well, no, I mean, but you didn't. Um, I gave it half an hour and and then I rinsed it off and and it was fine. Oh. I, I don't know if that's an all the time thing or if I was just lucky. Um, Different uh, plants. Yeah, true. Um,
1: But the gardenia isn't that. Like, you should be able to access with a Q-tip. There's no little crown, rosette-type crown, which is the problem with palm. I've had palm trees that have mealybug, and there's just no way you can get down into the center. Okay. So, um, yeah, I know. Good luck with that. That should work. And
2: what you're doing sounds
1: great. Gardenias are the best
2: plants when they flower. They're (laughs) gorgeous. I had one for years, and it flowered, and I missed it. I was so (laughs) grumpy.
6: (laughs) That would be my style. it flowers and I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) But we keep trying.
1: (laughs) Thanks for calling. (laughs) That's pretty cute. Uh, All right, we've got Marianne on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Marianne. Hello.
3: Good morning. Good morning, uh, Charlie and... Shanduraj, yes, uh, <laughs> I like that. I'm calling about an amaryllis. I added another. I try to get one every year. Mm-hmm. I had a gorgeous white one, and it had about five blossoms. Oh, well. and when I was moving it, um, clumsy me, I kind of broke the stems off.
1: Oh, that's okay. The flower stem, yes. Okay, so have you still got it there now?
3: Well, no, I. Stuck the stems in a jar of water. Perfect. Good. And the flowers fell off. Now I've got three buds. They look like little... Seed pods. Ball, Bald green balls that are um, divided sort of like an orange, you know, the little sections. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do with them?
1: Well, you want to start an amaryllis nursery? Those are seed pods. Right. They
3: should, they should germinate fairly
1: easily. But it'll be years before they bloom. But that's what gardening is all about. It's right. about patience. Patience, yeah. So um, I was going to say, when if that happens, because, you know, for many of us, the amaryllis gets top-heavy with that beautiful big bloom. Oh, yeah. And whether you're clumsy or not, it just decides to take a dive down to the floor. So cutting off and turning that flower into a cut flower, it actually lasts longer in water it really... than it does on the plant.
2: I actually got it together this year and finally staked mine. Oh, did you? I did. No, I just... not in the vampire I way. Just actually, I cut <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
1: So no, no, cutting them, they right. will last longer in water than they will on the plant. Well, that's good to know. So, so what do
3: although I do you are with making these three bulbs that are still in on a stem in the water.
1: So it's up to you if you want to wait till they ripen and mature and that that'll be past the point of green and fleshy that'll they'll start to turn yellow you will have seeds there that you could sow and proceed to grow little tiny baby amaryllis plants which will slowly but surely become bulbs it might take 10 or 15 years before you've got a bulb big enough to flower but at the same time as Sean points out gardening is all about patience
3: right
2: so i just keep changing the water to keep the, uh, the, the stem feeding the seeds. There's a lot of energy in that stem being made because it photosynthesizes. So oh. that's what's going to help make the seeds. Um, sure. Yeah. And that's when you cut off the stem, you may be making your flowers smaller for next year. If you're cutting it off and putting it into the vase, oh. because that stem actually adds quite a bit of energy to the plant. Next um, year's plant. Yes, that's correct. Next year's yeah. bulb, yeah.
3: Well, I'll try and do this and I'll call you. Yeah, let us years. know. Okay,
1: <laughs> let us know how that goes.
3: Thank and you so much. You're very
1: welcome.
2: Bye. Bye bye, yeah.
1: Don't we love amaryllis?
2: I really do, actually. yeah. it's,
1: it's just like everybody's a horticulturalist when they have an amaryllis because they're just so, so no fail.
2: <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, particularly the new ones. Though I have to admit, I, I have figured it out. After years and years of not being able to get my amaryllis to rebloom, oh, really? I've had two years now of serious re- blooming
2: so generally just put mine outside for the summer and then throw them in the basement for a month and good to go
1: what i did it works (laughs) like a charm (laughs) but um but my my point is i have five like five big fat juicy bulbs that i got from carolyn devries bulbs are us Mm. really good quality bulbs and uh yeah woof blooms to die for i just had you know, people's socks being knocked off when well, they are it's winter, walked. you need a little yeah, kaboom. Absolutely, and that's a lot of kaboom <laughs> from off of, the off of Amaryllis. All right, let us speak with Rita, who's giving us a call from Richmond Hill. Good morning, Rita.
4: Good morning. Um, Charlie, you were talking about just a little while ago about the birds, mm-hmm. right, and the little chickadees. I had so many birds here, so many. I feed them. Good. But I need a little bit of help, because we have a nasty one. Now there's two. They're, they're huge hawks, mm-hmm. and they have torn uh, a squirrel, morning doves, you name the birds. There's always feathers out there. It's like, it makes me sick. Do I feed them, or do I not feed them?
2: Oh, the little birds. Hmm. I would... My a relative of mine stopped feeding the birds because she had a hawk coming and taking the birds, and she's she stopped. And my attitude was, "It's a bird feeder. You got a big one." It's yeah. uh, she didn't think that was as interesting as I did. But to me, it's all nature's great tapestry, and sometimes they get taken, and sometimes they don't. When I, when a cat takes them, I, I get grumpy. But if it's nature's food chain, then I'm I'm okay with that. Um, the things that you could do to to reduce that would be sort of putting uh, strings in the air from tree to tree to slow mm-hmm. them down, uh, and that will work. But I wouldn't recommend it. I would keep feeding them, and I would enjoy the little birds when they're there, and I would be awestruck by the big birds when they visit. Well, and you know what else?
1: I um I feed birds. I'm in Richmond Hill as well, and I've had hawks come in and they try to land on my feeder, but the feeder doesn't seem big enough to them to land on or stable enough so they kind of hover over top going what do i do what do i do and then they jump over into a big tree or fly to the nearest big tree all the little birds have tons of time to get away so i wonder if if, if thinking about spots that the the hawk like the hawks are if they can just dive bomb down and grab little birds then that's if there's any way and that's where the strings would come in or making it a little more difficult for them to to come in and and surprise the feeding birds.
2: What they'll generally try and do is sit off to the side on a post. And, mm-hmm. and the, there's, there is another way to come at this, just for discussion's sake. If you have a problem with bunnies and squirrels, if you put up a post with a cross member at the top, like a, a big 4x4 four four that's 10 feet tall with a 2x4 across the top, then you're actually giving an opportunity for these super cool birds to come and visit your a garden perch. and mm-hmm. <clears throat> reduce your biodiversity in the terms of the bunnies and the squirrels, the pests mm-hmm. and the mice and the wolves mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So there, there is... An upside to having them visit as right. well. Yeah. And they're just spectacular
3: oh, are they creatures.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, no real clear answer there, Reed. I think you'll just have to decide what works best for you. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of with Sean. I'd try and keep feeding them. Thank you. Thanks for that call. Um, let's just do the numbers quickly. 416 360 or toll-free 1866 six. I should have let you do this <laughs> 740 four, four, seven, 4740
6: and we have Lorraine
1: calling us from Cambridge.
6: Good morning. Hi. Um, I, just on an aside when you're just talking about I have uh, the mo- I finally found something that keeps squirrels off of um the, the feeders, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a cone-shaped, bell-shaped, narrow at the top and wide at the bottom, and the, the, the little birds can get up in there, and the uh, squirrels and maybe the hawks can't get in there, too. Oh, anyway, right. what I called about was, I have a bougainvillea, excuse me, mm-hmm. and a hibiscus mm-hmm. that um am starting to, I'm wanting to get prepared to put out in the garden, which I did last year, like yeah. I've had them since last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, the one, the, um, uh, Bougainvillea has only, there's three, two branches on it, and one of the branches has got, hasn't got leaves, but the other one does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was wondering if I should trim them back or what I should be doing now. And with the hibiscus as well. It's, it's little, it's got leaves, and it's got, I thought they were buds, but I'm just reading, and it set on the little card, it says to remove, the pods i thought they were i thought they were buds hmm. and to promote blooming so i just wonder what the difference is with, between a pod and a, and a bud hmm.
1: uh okay so but you know your timing is really good cuz haven't we all noticed Days are getting longer. Our houseplants are responding. They're starting to grow. They're getting all excited. So with the bougainvillea and the hibiscus, yes, sharp pruners. Get them out. Take any dead wood off. So in the case of the bougainvillea, take away the dead branch. Cut back the live branch by half or less, depending on the size of it. That's going to force out some new growth. Hibiscus, definitely time to take them right back because they are very vigorous plants and they're going to be... 10 times the size next September that they are today.
2: Just like with roses, I would prune back to an outfacing bud mm-hmm. and within about a quarter of an inch of the bud. Not too far away, not too close. Mm-hmm. Um, about a quarter of an inch of the and
1: bud. And you could start fertilizing. So oh, okay. your flowering plant fertilizer, whatever that might be, um, <clears throat> Excuse me. mixed with a, in a watering can uh, once a month. Uh, you could start today if you want, if it's if it's watering day for your plants. But it, we are at that point where the plants will use the fertilizer because they are very happy about these extended days. So are we? <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> so are we were all smiling, so that you know the the plants will really you know take advantage and use that nutrient if you provide it. All right. Okay. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for your call. My my my! Look, we're going to get into birds here. We've got another bird Yay. question coming. All right. Well, let's see. We've got Art on the line from North York. Good morning, Art. Thanks.
5: My question is about raspberry canes.
1: Now, mm-hmm.
5: so on raspberry canes, the, the root system is pretty shallow. And I was wondering, I saved a lot of leaves for composting, and I was going to put, in when we get rid of some of the snow in that, put some uh, leaves around, or water them, and then uh, put some leaves around and put some... Uh, uh, Peat moss over top of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Would that help? I'd skip the peat moss, and I'd be careful with the leaves. Um, raspberries, apparently, even the canes are delicious, and the leaves are high in all sorts of vitamins if you can make tea out of them. But you, by putting the leaves around them, you're going to encourage voles and mice. And I, I would probably, and they don't need any help. Good right. heavens, raspberries! I, I would save that organic matter for somewhere else in the garden because it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Just not so much for the. Uh, not for, so much for the raspberries. The trick with them is to cut down the old canes every year. Right. Or well, I cut them down about a,
5: within the six inches of the ground. I yeah. cut them
2: right to the ground, the old yeah. ones. Because uh, you they want new blooms. growth coming yeah. from the, 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 the base. Yeah. Or if you have a huge patch, then cut down half of the whole thing every year. So mm. you're cutting down half this year and half next year. Right. That way you're not doing the fiddly little in-between canes pruning. Yeah.
5: So you're saying just for, just put fertilizer around
1: in
2: the spring, if you need to. If, if,
1: what's the quality of your soil like? Is it, is it that poor, or are you just worried that... It's
5: pretty good in some spots, and it's uh, kind of uh, clay soil in other spots. Mm.
2: Raspberries are pretty bulletproof. I've never had a problem. True. In fact, with me, it's the other way around. I know. They take over. <laughs> They're highly vigorous in almost any yeah, soil. I like
1: to get about 50 or 60 quarts. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. I'm coming to your house.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I don't look after them and do the right yeah. job... You know, because last year, some of them didn't have any berries at all
2: on them. Well. Drip irrigation might be a bigger friend to you, um, because then you're going to get plumper berries. Mm-hmm. Is plumper a word? Um, yeah. And, uh, um, and the, the canes themselves will be happier and healthier. Drip. Also really good for bees, what, by the what
1: way. What was that you put, put around? Drip. Irrigation.
2: irrigation, yeah.
1: So that's a soaker hose, basically.
2: Yeah, and Lee Valley sells little miniature ones that you can True. hook to a main line. And it's Expe- nice and easy and just run it back Right, and
1: forth. so Lee Valley can s- sell you an actual little irrigation system that Kit. you can yeah. design it in there to run off your, your tap on your mm-hmm. house. Or Canadian Tower will sell you a soaker hose that you put yeah. it, uh, take it out on a sunny day, soften up the black that's very stiff, and then do that um, sort of... Weaving them in. Yeah, the weaving yeah. in amongst the canes. and sa- You can use old coat hangers to pin them down. True. To, yeah, and I just leave my soaker hoses out year-round. Like, yeah, I don't too. take them in. Yeah. Uh, and I just
2: drag... It just fix where I've cut them. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. So that and it's, would really help. Eh? It's a nice way to get that water where you want it, at the root, because as you point out, they're shallow-rooted, and you really don't want the leaves getting wet, just because of the... or the fruit, because there's a tendency towards fungal diseases.
2: I think that would be the, the biggest thing you could do for them, is the drip irrigation. Yeah. You know,
1: last year was wet.
2: I noticed there's a lot
5: of smaller ones starting up little plants, so... Those are the... what
2: you want. Yeah. Because leaving them to grow gives you your fruit for this year, um, and then you cut the old stuff down so you get the new stuff. you got to have new stuff every year. Right. Yeah, That's what blooms.
1: Okay. All right. Thanks Th- a lot. Thanks for your call. Okay. My, my, my. we got some interesting calls today. Sean, I'm glad you're here. I'm always uh, glad to be here. I'm glad you're glad to be here. So... Uh, <laughs> So we are going to have to take a quick break, but just before we go, I just want to let everybody know next weekend, if you miss the Orchid Show in Toronto, the 38th annual Orchid Show and sale returns to the Royal Botanical Gardens February 23rd and 24th all day, both
2: days. And we went to the one in Toronto last year, and I I think I might go to the one in Hamilton because, I mean, it blew my socks off. It was incredible. It was great. All right, we'll be right back.
0: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Small creatures big and small become a problem?
1: Never, never, never. All right. So we do. Uh, I'm here with Sean James, by the way, and we're getting some great calls. The, we do have some open lines. If you would like to call, Sean, would you like to give the
2: numbers? I would love to. Thank 416-360-0740 if you're local. And if you're not, then it's 866 740 Four zero.
1: All right. And there's not much time left in the show, so if you're going to call, call so early. Fast. Call. What's that? It goes so fast. I know. That hour is like whoa. Gracious. What a blink of the eye. We've got Brad on the line in Hamilton. Good morning, Brad. Great. Hello. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Wonderful. I've got a, actually a dual part question about your bird
5: feeders.
3: Uh uh-huh.
5: um, One. How do you get to attract some of
2: the, the more desirable birds? And the biggest problem I have is um,
0: I've, got, I've got grackles that keep coming and scaring mm. away all the birds I want to see.
2: Right, the grackles are only a summer problem. They they usually they head south in the wintertime. time. Um, but there's a-
1: robins I- here now. Yeah, they
2: stay. They didn't leave. You know, their Latin name is Turtis Migratorius? No. How I didn't. bad is that? No <laughs> wonder they're grumpy. Um, <laughs> um, a, a diversity of seed is good to get a bunch of different birds. Um, you're, you're in Hamilton, so you're close to the Hamilton Naturalist Club, and they're a great group mm-hmm. if you want to learn more about birds and about uh, nature in general. And they do have a special birding group. Uh, they're phenomenal, but um, having a, a variety of feeders as well. Mm-hmm. I have. Um, Back Lee Valley again, a squirrel buster. Oh, yeah. they Oh, it's great. When, great videos. When too many birds <laughs> sit on them, it, it closes a little hole, so mm. the squirrels can't get at it. No. So it really is squirrel-proof, yeah. but it also keeps the grackles out of it, because one oh. grackle is enough to close the hole. C- you, do you set the weight on it? No, it's... It already comes that uh, way. Four sparrows, and it closes. Uh, okay. Four of my annoying English... There you
1: go. Yeah, I have. I have one of those as well. That you could actually set the um, oh, really? the oh. spring weight for different. One. Well, for different size birds, it's not. A, it's not called Squirrel Buster. I forget what it's called. Oh, mine is. That's the brand name is Squirrel Buster. Yeah. So and if a blue phenomenal. jay comes to mine, it yeah. closes because the yes, blue jay's too heavy. Too heavy. It can't yeah. get the. Can't get
2: the food. Um, also, um, uh, the whole. Mark's Choice uh, line of tools. Last year, at any rate, they had an upside-down suet feeder, because apparently only the woodpeckers come in in from the bottom and feed on it, which I thought was pretty funky, and it seems to work. And that would be available at Home Hardware. uh, Or Canada Blooms. uh, I imagine
1: he's got stuff at Canada Blooms for sale. I don't know.
2: Oh, probably, yes. Yeah, probably Um, sponsoring. uh, That's true. Um, But, uh, yes, you're right about Home Hardware. And I love dealing there, anyway. They're such nice people.
1: Yeah, typically they are. All right, well, I hope that answers your question, Um, Brad. That was a good one. Thank you very much. You're very Welcome. Um have a good day. thank you you, you too. too. Look we got oh, another bird, bird question. We're starting <laughs> this- What have we done? <laughs> the garden show <laughs> just became the bird show. Good morning Margaret calling in from Toronto.
4: Hi, am I on now, Margaret? Yes, you are. You are. Oh, uh, good morning Charlie and Mr. Birdman. <laughs> uh what I hope you can help me. I can't find my larger bird book, but I found my small one. I've never seen this bird It's uh, sort of that, you know, dull brown color, but on the tips of its wings, and I forgot to Google to see in birds of Ontario, Mm -hmm. uh, white. It's pretty. It's a little smaller than a robin. At first, I thought it might be a female robin, but it's like nice and fat. That's about all I could say. It's got a nice chest, a round chest. You said it was a little smaller
2: than a robin? Sorry? Sorry. Small. It's
4: a little smaller than a robin, but fatter than a robin. As if, you know, if a robin was pregnant and it carried the, bird, the little birds in its uh, breast.
2: And you know what female cardinals look like, of course. It's not a female cardinal.
4: No, I had a female cardinal. Okay. And they have the longer tail. This one doesn't.
2: There's a wonderful app that you can get um, from okay. the Cornell people called Merlin Bird ID. And Merlin you, and like uh, Merlin the, the Magician? magician. Yeah, bird ID, and you enter a bunch of different um, criteria, criteria, yeah. sure. Like what color, what size, and then it'll take a stab at telling you what the options are. Um, there's an- another one, I think it's iNaturalist, where you can take a picture of the bird and and send it and it into the ether. And then I they'll... can't
4: do that. I don't have oh, one okay. of those cameras, and I'm a loss sure. at sending it by email and everything.
2: Okay, and then, niece... then I would check into to Merlin. Now um, I could
4: say too a question that's stumped me this year. I get mostly sparrows. I wouldn't know the difference between an English or a Russian or a Canadian sparrow, to tell you the truth. I get a lot of sparrows. I haven't had as many chickadees. And here they come again. They, uh, Those are the a few English days sparrows, ago, probably. Before the storm, way before we had bad weather, for three days. Yeah, they, know. they never came to the feeder.
2: Oh, really? That's yes, unusual.
4: For three days. Then they came back, and they seem to cluster like crazy at this feeder. And then they disappear for hours. Like I thought, oh, you know, they're lunch break, the route, coffee through break, the
2: neighborhood. They're going from one feeder to another. Generally, I
4: think I'm about the only one, and we have a tiny street, so mm-hmm. that's really.
2: They may be going me. far and wide. Like there, I have a friend in. Um uh, Vancouver and he has what he, he calls the bush tit gang and it's this adorable tiny little brown bird you wouldn't think they'd be so adorable and they they do like three times a day they'll visit each feeder uh, his apple no oh, his apple tree because he uh, bugs um, and, and seeds but mostly bugs and they'll go from neighborhood to neighborhood yeah. and so it obviously takes them quite a while to make the circuit Get around. but
1: if it's really bad weather sometimes the birds are hunkering down <clears throat> out well, yeah, of the weather well, and they stay know, together uh, to stay warm
4: Charlie, you know, a few days ago, when it was blowing and snowing and everything, they were all around the feeder, and now I see they're waiting for me to put water out, like I've got (laughs) enough evergreen or whatever, Uh and uh, I heat the water in the kettle and I keep breaking it. But uh, the phenomenon of them, you know, just storming back and then not, I've never seen that happen before.
2: That's in my garden, that's pretty normal because they, they'll oh. eat for a while and then they'll go rest and warm up for a bit. You're, you're doing a lot of the right things, though. The water is actually surprisingly important and something I know folks forget about. And having 30% cover, 30% actually, this goes back to the lady who had the hawk question. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you have 30% places where the birds can quickly go like and hide, cedar hedges, things will, like that. Yeah, and then you can see. Oh,
4: hedges. yeah. Uh, um, and instead of when the weather was really, really cold, instead of being in the branches of the evergreen or my euonymus or whatever, they were on the ground. It really surprised me. Hmm. Yeah,
2: some it. of them are, are ground feeders. Um, oh, did you okay. say that bird that you were trying to get an ID on, um, did you say it was alone? Yes,
4: I, I don't think there's a pair. Okay.
2: Because hmm. okay. the
4: one that comes, is it seems to be one, and doesn't come all the time, but it does. It doesn't really go to the feeder, so you know I throw grapes and cookies or uh, raisin bread. Hmm. Is raisin bread okay for them?
2: Sure, it's full energy.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, it seems happy, but it does come for the water. Yeah,
2: yeah the water is super important. That's great. Yeah, I know that. Raisins on their own would be better than raisin bread. Actually, yeah. what's
4: what's that on the, raisins? Ra-
2: raisins on their own would oh. be, but be- you should eat the raisin bread and leave the <laughs> and give the birds actual raisins. Well,
4: what kind of raisins? Sultana or dried, or I'll buy them.
2: Just dried raisins would probably be really good for them. There's certain birds that are fruit eaters, like oh. robins. Yeah, sprinkle oh.
1: them out there.
4: Hey, well, I'll throw it out. Thank you for your help and the birdies say thanks. I uh, can't wait.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank appreciate you so your much. Call. Okay. Yes. Bye. All right. So this is the now newly uh, christened garden and bird show <laughs> with Charlie Dog. They do go together. And Sean James. They do just like cats and dogs. Really, a lot of gardeners <laughs> have pets out in the garden, so we get into all the circle of life. Right. That's true. All right. We'll be right back. After a word from our sponsors.
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, pusathea and clubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet Williams.
0: You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right. We
1: don't have many minutes left, so let's go to our caller from Eden, New York. Good morning, Emmy.
4: Good morning. I'll talk fast. A couple <laughs> of weeks ago, I cut back my forsythia that was hanging over the road, and there's some uh, burning bush out there, too, that needs trimming. Mm-hmm. I put it in my kitchen. It is now gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. And Lovely. Bloom, and that got me to thinking. Can I root for Scythia and burning bush? I would like to maybe put burning bush, for Scythia, alternate them down a section of property line Hmm. thus attracting more birds.
2: Yes, exactly. I, I would like to see um, maybe a different option than burning bush because it can actually move into the wild in a bad way, and it's not native. But the Forsythia, you can definitely do cuttings of and quite easily. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you like that combination, you can have a little extra bang as well. There's a plant called um, Brilliant Chokeberry. Terrible common name, but a beautiful plant mm. that has spring flowers for the bees, beautiful red berries all winter long, and spectacular winter color, fall yeah, color. Fall color, red. red Leaves, yeah,
1: yeah, so that brilliant chokeberry, mm-hmm. yeah. beautiful plant, brilliant, yeah, very nice plant, it's shiny. Um, yeah, I would do that for safety totally. You can totally, I mean, and you're enjoying those big long can- branches of flowers right now, little shorter tip cuttings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would cut off some tips there and get some roots growing from the nodes, and Yeah, four to five inch uh, length cuttings. Yep. And you,
2: you should, should be, take a willow branch in it, it'll help it root, true, that's true, because it Natural releases hormones. rooting hormones. So, yep, if you have well, just will, by willow.
1: leaving them in water, they will root. Root and they may and I, the and yeah, the very long branches may not root versus a shorter one, but you know it's worth a try. Depends on how often you change the water. That's yeah. a lot of it. Good point. Good point. Yeah, you want clean water. Just I just let, changed it. All let, right. Let us know how that works out. Thanks for calling, Emmy. Thank you. That's Bye-bye. great. Bye bye. Uh, all right. As I mentioned, we're almost the show's almost over. So just a couple of important things. Next weekend, Toronto Botanical Gardens jump on spring and Seedy Saturday. February the 23rd, 10 to 3 p.m., free admission. Uh, They love a donation for the food bank, but very cool, smart people, obviously seed exchanges. I think the Master Gardeners are there answering questions, too. Likely. So there's lots of expertise available for anybody who just wants to get jazzed up about spring. And here on the Garden Show next Saturday, speaking about jazzing up for spring, we've got Stephen Biggs and his daughter, Emma, coming in. Emma has just published a book called Gardening with Emma, Grow and Have Fun. She's 12 years old, and with her dad's help, she's put together a beautiful book, Great Graphics, Lovely Photography. So we're going to hear more about that next Saturday from them. And Frank will be back. Yes. Hallelujah. More, maybe not. <laughs> not sure. I jury's out on
2: that one. But Sean, it's been a lot of fun. I'm so happy you came. Yeah, it's always fun. I, I really have a good time and it's always fascinating to see what people are interested in. True.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, of course, you're all over the map with your speaking engagements and your teaching and no breaks at all. And the consulting design, design thing yeah. has
2: really taken off. I'm I'm, ple- I'm using my brain more than my back nowadays and good. I'm really enjoying it. We're at
1: that age. Yes, we are. <laughs> it, it has kind of crept up on us, hasn't it? <laughs> so you, you mentioned you're off to do a consultation later today.
2: I am, yeah, even in winter. This is when designers have the time to give you the art that you deserve.
1: Okay, so this is where you're just coming in for a first look around mm-hmm. and listen to the, the, people, the homeowner's to thoughts. get
2: the creative juices flowing because it is an artistic process. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I sit down and sort of cookie-cutter-out designs. No. You know, I, I think about the soil and the exposure and But you can't what see the want. soil. But I know where they are, and therefore I know what the soil is. Because
1: I I remember I went one time in this kind of weather to somebody's yard, and and we stood there, and they go, "Well, there's some rocks there, and there's uh, some hostas in there," and they started. I was
2: like. I'll come back when the yeah. snow melts. <laughs> In the winter now, though, there's often times that the snow does melt. So yeah. I can get out there and look at things. If I'm going through a neighborhood, I can mm. zip out mm. and take a look. Um,
1: well, and sometimes it's big picture stuff, anyways. Yep. The structure, frame, yep. skeleton
2: of the garden. Which and is if great. you know you're going to do that, take some pictures throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Don't rush a landscaping process. Take some mm. pictures throughout the season so that when you do talk to a designer, then you're ready to show them, and this is what it looks like, and here's my yeah. soil. Like you can have, Different do types. a little research and have answers ready. Good
1: stuff. That's Good advice. Thank you. And Sean can be reached at?
2: Uh, the easiest way to find me is my website, which is Sean James S-E-A-N, James-consulting.ca. There you go.
1: Good promotion for Sean James. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and I'll be taking you for breakfast on top of it all. Always look forward to it. Thanks, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you or any of our great callers.
0: See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740.